BBLs. The BBLs, the beanie baby, baby lovers. lovers. We're BBLs, we're beanie baby lovers. <laughs> that's the this this episode. This is the BBL episode. The BBL episode. <laughs> beanie baby lovers. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm Caroline. And I'm Natalie. And we're Easily Distracted, a weekly podcast where no topic is too off topic. In this episode, Nat will be giving you a rundown on what you might have missed this week, and then I'll be doing a deep dive on the Beanie Baby craze. Let's get into it. So sister, what have you been up to? My sister, sister, (laughs) so glad that I could be with ya. I feel like we've done that little song since forever. Like, we've done that since the actual Sister Sister show came out. Oh, yeah. Like, we always do that. We're Sister Sisters. Sister Sister. That was a great show, too. I loved that show. I, like, don't remember watching it that much. Really? Oh. Yeah. I, I feel like we watched it a lot. Oh. Maybe not a lot. Maybe not a lot, but we definitely watched it for sure. Yeah. I definitely watched it a little bit. Yeah. Well, not much has been going on with me. Just hanging out, the usual, you know. Honestly, I mean, I keep you updated with every single little thing. So, yeah. The three things that I'm doing that I've been doing, I'm covering in my top 3. So, <laughs> What are you looking at? Uh, I was going to say uh I was going to say one and then I double checked and it wasn't your top 3. So, never mind. Exactly. I I know exactly which one you're talking about. So, everybody just stay tuned for 45 minutes until you can hear my my fun. It's literally I'm acting like I bought a house like you did or something, but it's <laughs> it's nothing. But you have something that happened to you this week. Oh my gosh. I literally <laughs> was like preparing myself for talking about it. Okay. <laughs> Here it is, guys. I'm going to say it one time, one time only, and then I'm done talking about it because I've talked about it with so many people, and I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing me talk about it. And so this is it. One time. I broke my ankle. (laughs) And we're done. (laughs) Well, let's tell the people how you did it. I was stepping (laughs) off of the bottom stair outside, and... I stepped into like a little hole and I just, I rolled my ankle and I was carrying stuff. So I wasn't holding the railing and I fell over all the way. And literally as I was falling, one, my brain was like, now the housework's never going to get done. (laughs) And then my second thought was I could hear my ankle break. It sounded like holding a bunch of rocks in my hand and like crunching them together. That is terrible. Yeah, it was gross. So here's the thing, everybody. I, as Natalie's sister, can laugh at this situation because I have, I I feel like we talked about this in an earlier episode, but Natalie's very clumsy. And I have seen this girl fall uh, countless times. Like, actually, I can't even tell you how many times I've seen you fall. And it's not in like a cute manic pixie dream girl, oh, I'm so clumsy kind of way. It's literally like, I keep hurting myself on accident (laughs) and I hate it. I'm not good at sitting around and doing nothing. And so like, I don't know, maybe some people would be like, oh, great. Now you could like sit and read or like do stuff. Like, no, I like to be up and doing stuff. And like, I'm not good at sitting around and doing stuff. So it's a very frustrating time in my life right now. And you're very, (laughs) you're very bad at asking for help. So this is yes. a nightmare. This is nightmare it is killing me being reliant on someone else. I hate it. I'm not good at it. Yeah. And but okay, so back to like you falling a million times. The thing is too, stairs are your enemy because mm-hmm. I have seen you fall down stairs so many times. So when we were growing up, we in this one house that we lived in, the stairs were like those modern stairs that which also just a stupid design. I don't understand who thought these were good stairs, but no. the ones that don't have like the back on them. So they're basically just like, like, what do you call those slats? They kind of look like floating stairs. Yeah. Almost like, yeah. So Natalie, one time, <laughs> I remember this specifically for Christmas, you got toe socks, which yes. I don't know why toe socks, but I guess that was a thing. No. And okay. Then- let me explain this too. These okay. were the coolest toe socks. I wish I still had them. 
Because, okay, they were, like, knit. They weren't, like, I feel like you usually toe socks are, like, those fuzzy, like, sleek, yeah. fuzzy socks. No, these were knit. They looked like they were hand knit. And each toe was a different animal. Yep. And so I remember, like, the big toe was, like, a lion head. Yes, yes. And I remember that And there was, like, so a zebra well. toe. And so they looked so cool because they looked like finger puppets. Yep, but on your toes. And so, they were the coolest toe socks. So I would wear them everywhere. Yeah, so Natalie wore them all the time. And she was going up the stairs. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. I tripped up the stairs. <laughs> I tripped going up the stairs. And while going... I don't even know how you did this. But so you tripped going up them. And her legs fell through the slats. So Natalie was just hanging through the stairs with her legs hanging out and i remember just hearing you scream and running over and seeing your legs through the thing yep i think it especially it was like i definitely remember one of my legs oh yeah and i've this i broke my left ankle and i've sprained this ankle i can't even count how many times i've sprained this ankle before yeah one definitely three times that i have gotten x-rays for yeah. One, when in cheerleading, I rolled it. Like, I can't even remember what I was doing. It was during a practice. I rolled it during cheerleading. Two, during a school dance, I I chest bumped someone. And I came down from the chest bump and I fell and rolled my ankle and sprained it. <laughs> and what? three, I slipped on ice walking back from the bus stop at my, uh, my apartment <laughs> complex in college. <laughs> <laughs> those are three times where i went to the hospital and got x-rays done for my sprains because they were so bad <laughs> and all three maybe. times i was on crutches and now here i am on crutches again yeah maybe you just have feeble ankle bones at this point i think my tendons are just like one <laughs> string and some scotch tape i think that's all that's in there it's basically silly string at this point that's all that's holding my ankle together. <laughs> so all I all it takes is like I'm like the princess and the pea. All it takes is like stepping on one little uneven surface and my ankle just gives out. That's literally how you are. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing. At it's it. pathetic. Not only is being a good sport right now, but genuinely it's fucking miserable. Like I yeah. I I've only sprained my ankle once and I was miserable. So I can't even imagine. I mean, I'm no, like, medical professional or anything, but they literally told me that I sprained and broke it. So it's what? like... Yeah, because I rolled it. So it's like, the type of break that I got is, like, the way my tendon pulled... Or, no, I'm not using the right terminology. The way my soft tissue pulled off of my bone, pulled a chunk of my bone with it. So it's, like, a sprain that also broke my bone. Ew, I don't want to talk about this anymore because that just got That's what I said. I'm I'm done talking about it. Now we're done talking about it. But now you guys know. I freaking broke my ankle, so. Yeah. Here I am. I'm in a boot. Yeah. She's in a boot. Out in a boot. Out in a boot. You're out in a boat. (laughs) New boot goofing. (laughs) New boot goofing. That really is you right now. Yep. (laughs) So that's basically everything that's going in our lives. Going in our lives. Going in. Going on? Am I going on in our life? Oh my god. Oof. Well, should we move on into what you might have missed this week? Yes. All right. So I got what you might have missed this week. <laughs> Let's start with big Taylor news this week. So this all happened within like the last 24 hours. So yeah. I'm going to do a little recap of everything. Yeah. This is all about the 1989 vault track. So first thing that happened, she posted a video to her social media with no sound, and it just showed a blue vault with the letters, this is how they came out of the vault. T, quote, S, exclamation point, U, quote, L. And the caption was, you can tell me when the search is over if the high was worth the pain with the sunglasses emoji. Mm -hmm. So then from there, if you Googled Taylor Swift, a blue vault would pop up. And then scrambled letters, if you click the blue vault, scrambled letters would pop up. And if you unscrambled them and entered that unscrambled saying or word into Google, it would tell you congrats. And then there was a countdown for 33 million puzzles solved until the vault track names would get released. Whoa. 
89 different puzzles that people could have gotten. What? I didn't know that. Yeah. Because I was I was so confused when you were telling me about this this morning. You were like, I did 33 puzzles. And I was like, I'm sorry. You did. I thought there was going to be five. Like I did. No, I did 20. I only contributed 20. Oh, did Connor do 13? I made Connor do 10. Gotcha. So we did 30. And so that was when I went to bed last night. I had done 20 of them. And it was about halfway. I think there was about 15 million or 16 million people by the time I went to bed last night. Had, or 16 million puzzles have been solved. When I woke up this morning at like 8 o'clock, 7.30 or whatever, all of the puzzles have been solved. 33 million have been solved. So then when you Googled Taylor Swift, the little vault popped up and you could hear Taylor's voice say, oh, look, you did it. You unlocked the 1989 Taylor's version vault. And now I'm so excited to share the new vault track titles with you. They are, is it over now? Now that we don't talk, say don't go suburban legends i can't wait for you to hear them so since then she has released the back cover look Mm -hmm. of the albums and there's actually five vault tracks and one of them was the one that she had posted on instagram earlier and it is slut exclamation point yes which and in quotes it's specifically in quotes oh it's in quotes too yep that which people like were joking around that the vault like Instagram post spelled slut. They're like, Taylor Swift is calling us sluts. (laughs) But it actually, this, that's actually the name of the fifth vault track. I think it's actually the first vault track. Yeah. Cause I remember sending it to you and I was like, is she about to have a song named slut? And here we are. She is. She is. Okay. So I do have a question though. Yeah. For the puzzles, when you keep saying however many million puzzles there were, but that is like, all the same puzzle but like there needed to be 33 30 million people or whatever it is that solved those same puzzles there was 89 different scrambled puzzles and they were all related to taylor swift stuff so it was like some of them had hints so it'd be like hint a fire sign and then it'd be sagittarius would be the word or it'd be like hint blank space and then it'd be like okay a line from blank space but 33 million people had to solve 33 million unscramblings in order for the vault tracks to get unlocked yeah so technically it could have been 33 million people each solving one unscrambling of the 89 okay that's that's what i thought because at first my brain was like 30 million puzzles i was like that's (laughs) not Yeah, who came up with 30 million, 33 million different Taylor Swift related <laughs> scribbles? Probably somebody could. Yeah. So that was the big Taylor Swift news for this week. So then moving on to the next bit of news. So the movie Mamma Mia turned 15 years old this year. What? And there was a big interview with Vogue with um, Judy Kramer, who is the creator of Mamma Mia. And she said in this interview that she always pictured Mamma Mia as a trilogy. (gasps) So she said that if it was solely up to her, the third movie would have already been made. Meryl Streep was quoted saying, I'm up for anything. I'll have to schedule a knee scoping before we film. But if there's an idea that excites me, I'm totally there. (laughs) She also added that she told Judy Kramer, who was the producer, if she could figure out a way to reincarnate Donna, I'm into it. And then Amanda Seyfried even said that she would be into doing the movie for free if she could. (laughs) Oh my god, everybody wants one. Yeah, they're also into it. And she even said, I dare you to show me one person who doesn't want a third Mamma Mia. I was just gonna say, I did see that quote, but I thought Meryl Streep said it, so I like that she said it too, because I just love that like everyone's so into getting a third one. Yeah, I think it just says a lot about the movie and the atmosphere that was created around filming the movie Mm -hmm. that all of the actors and actresses are like so into coming back for another one, even 15 years later. Exactly. And I feel like I saw something that said like everybody on the set just was having a good time. Like they were all drinking and just having fun and like Mm -hmm. just that everyone like genuinely enjoyed filming the movie. Yep. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the cast, everyone seems incredible to work with. Yeah. And when you see the outtakes from the movie, everyone was shit faced. So it looks like it was just, and it's obviously a gorgeous setting. So it really sounds like the dream movie. Yeah. I freaking love (laughs) Mamma Mia. I would love a third one. Me too. All right. So another bit of news that just came out today 
which we're recording on Wednesday. The Stranger Things Instagram account has really been buzzing a lot lately. There's been a ton of new posts and stuff. And so since there's been so many new posts and new things going on on the Instagram account, I was expecting a really big announcement to come. And Mm -hmm. it finally did. So unfortunately, it's not about season five. But there is an announcement that came out today about the casting for the Stranger Things stage show, which I had no idea about. (laughs) Like they're doing like a play? Yeah. So apparently back in March, they actually announced that they were doing a play. What? And, but I've just heard about it today. And today is when they came out with all the casting. So the show is called Stranger Things First Shadow. And it will take place in Hawkins in 1959. And it's a prequel story that follows all of the well-known characters like Hopper, Joyce, Bob, Henry slash Vecna, and Dr. Brenner. And so the production opens on December 14th, 2023, only at the Phoenix Theater in London's West End, which is annoying. That's only in London. Yeah. What the heck? Should we fly to London and watch it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Christmas in West London. Sounds good. But yeah, so that's going to be kind of interesting that we're going to get like a prequel story, but only in the form of a play. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even know this was a thing, but I guess maybe since it's only in London, we just haven't really heard much about it. Yeah. And like the play has their own Instagram account and I went to look at it and when I went and looked, they only had like, I think it was like 6,000 followers or something. So it's like, I don't think very many people knew about this. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it because especially for how big Stranger Things is, you would think there would be more than just 6,000 followers on the Insta. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like a number that I was kind of shocked at how low it was. Gotcha. So, and there's really not that much posts or anything on it. So, yeah. Okay. So, moving on to the next bit of news, I have a lot. A lot of stuff has happened in pop culture this week. Yeah, freaking apparently. Okay. So, also announced today, the Barbie movie is coming back to theaters for one week only in IMAX, and oh it's starting Friday, September twenty second. And this special screening of IMAX movie will include never-before-seen bonus footage that is going to be shown at the end of the film. Oh my god, fun! I want to go back and see it. Right? That's a, I was like, Connor, what are we doing this weekend? Oh, we're going to go see Barbie. That's what we're doing. Great, we're going to go see a Barbie movie again. <laughs> Alright, and we posted about this on our Instagram story, but if you missed it, Drew Barrymore already reversed her decision to bring back her talk show. Yep. Because she got so much backlash about crossing picket lines. And we posted her, like, the post that she made on Instagram, onto our Instagram stories, but I'll repeat it on here. So, little recap. September 10th, she announced that her show would be returning. September 15th, she posted a, honestly, very fake apology video to Instagram, which mm-hmm. she has since deleted. It was a very, like, PR-y type of response. And it was, like, even nothing. though she said that she it didn't wasn't- want to use PR for this. Yeah. It was very weird. It was like an apology that like didn't actually justify anything and didn't actually apologize. (laughs) It was more of like an explanation video. Yeah. It was more of just her crying and basically being like, be nice to me without actually saying anything. Yeah. It was very weird, but it's been since deleted. And so then September 17th, she made this statement. I have listened to everyone and I'm making the decision to pause the show's premiere until the strike is over. I have no words to express my deepest apologies to anyone I have hurt and, of course, to our incredible team who works on the show and has made it what it is today. We really tried to find our way forward and I truly hope for a resolution for the entire industry very soon. I still, like, don't feel great about that statement. Honestly, I don't either because it's just been, like, like... I don't even know how to describe what I'm thinking, but it's like, you're obviously only doing this because of all the backlash you got. You did not think Mm -hmm. that it was going to go over that way. And that's the only reason that you're doing this. And just being like, we really tried to find a way forward. We, I hope for a resolution soon. It just sounds very like, I feel like the undertone is, I just want this to be over so I can keep moving on with making the content I want to make. Rather than being like, I support and stand with the writers. I didn't mean to cross the picket line. The industry needs to pay the writers what they deserve. And I made this decision in order to show that I back them and stand behind them. It's like, I feel like we needed a more obvious statement of support. 
Exactly. I agree. Because I like, so the last line, I'm looking at your quote because Mm -hmm. the last line she says like, I hope for a resolution for the entire industry very soon instead of saying like for the picketers and for the people Mm -hmm. who are like, it's not in support of them. It's just for the entire, like, it makes it seem like it's not missive. Like it's just a road bump and something getting in her way rather than a serious thing worth talking about. Yeah, so, I agree. I don't know. I I hate all of this because I really do like Drew Barrymore a lot. But I'm like, girl, like, oh, why are you being like this? I know. It's tough. And it's so hard when you see, like, obviously people talk about, like, not having a parasocial. I asked you, yeah, parasocial. I asked you about <laughs> that last time, too. I know. That's why I remembered it. <laughs> yeah. Parasocial relationship with celebrities and stuff. But it's like there can still be celebrities that you see that you like really see through a lot of their actions that you feel that they're a good person that you feel like you kind of get like Mm -hmm. a a feel for what their personality is and stuff and I feel like that's how Drew Barrymore is and everybody like freaking loves a comeback story and she Mm -hmm. definitely had one like she has gotten through so much like through all of like the childhood trauma that she has and like being a young celebrity and stuff and it's just it sucks seeing this yeah for someone you expected a lot more of yeah and one thing that I really love about her is she feels so authentic Mm -hmm. like I feel like she does such a good job of being very open and raw and you can tell that she has that energy because the interviews that she conducts people really connect with her and she seems like she's not just trying to like get a scoop she's trying to like genuinely make a connection yeah genuinely yeah and like she at least appears to have like pretty minimal plastic surgery, pretty minimal. Like, yeah, I think she just embraces the age that she is, which is so rare in Hollywood. And she seems very kind of like, she seems like a down to earth person. And I think this whole thing kind of reminds me that it's like, she grew up in Hollywood. She doesn't really know anything outside of this extremely privileged life she has. Yeah. And so I think that it just kind of sucks when you're like a fan and you're, you see this person as someone who's like cool and relatable and down to earth and, and it brings you authentic. Back to like, and then it's like, nah, she's still like a privileged celebrity. Like, yeah, at the end of the day, she's still a celebrity in Hollywood that they mm-hmm. are so out of touch with the real world. And you've seen that so many times mm-hmm. in all of these like celebrity apology videos, just how out of touch they are. Yeah. All right. So back to some good news. So let's end on... I collected a list of five books that are newly released this week that I'm excited about. And so I'm going to give you my little recap list. Heck yeah. The first book on the list is called Picture Perfect Autumn by Shelley Noble. And so this book is about a Manhattan photographer who finds inspiration and new possibilities in a gothic Rhode Island beach house. And it's set during fall, obviously. Yeah. And it is described as being a very uplifting book. The main character builds a relationship with like an older gentleman who acts as like her mentor. So Mm -hmm. I always love that kind of thing. Reminds me a lot of Clock Island. Yeah. It just gives very like cozy, wholesome vibes. Love that. The next book is The Last Devil to Die by Richard Osman. This is the fourth book in the Thursday Murder Club series. Oh, Yeah, and I didn't realize there was already four. I thought maybe it was the third book. Honestly, I haven't read any of them, but I've heard great things about them, so. Yeah, it's, like, definitely a very beloved series, and so it's exciting that the fourth book is out now. And it's definitely on my TBR list because I started the first book a while back, and I just, the audiobook just, like, wasn't really hitting it for me, so I think I gotta just try reading the physical book. And so that's exciting that the fourth book is out now. This next one is probably the one that I'm most excited about. It's called Red Rabbit by Alex Grecian. And it's a folk horror epic about a ragtag posse that must track down a witch through a wild west beset by demons and ghosts. What? Yeah, where death is always just around the bend. And the cover is really cool. And it I just think it sounds so interesting and unique that it's like a horror book that is also kind of like Wild West. 
and like fanciful. It seems like such a cool book. I'm looking up the cover because I want to see it. That sounds like right up your alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does look cool. And so then the fourth book on my list is Starter Villain by John Scalzi. And so in this book, the main character inherits his super rich uncle's supervillain business. And that business comes with things like undersea volcano layers, minions, plots to take over the world, an international network of rivals who want him dead, and hyper-intelligent talking spy cats. What? Yeah. (laughs) And so this book sounds like so goofy and funny, but it's like... I don't know how to even describe it, but the kind of like quirky offbeat humor reminds me of Grady Hendrick's kind of style writing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Where he like, you know, like a horror, like Grady Hendrix, one of his uh, books is horror store, which is like a haunted Ikea basically. And yeah. it seems kind of that same like offbeat kind of story quirky that vibe. Yeah. Yeah, that just sounds like really interesting. So that book sounds cool, too. That came out this week. And then the last one on my list is The Unfortunate Side Effects of Heartbreak and Magic by Brianne Randall. And this one is advertised as the perfect book for fans of Practical Magic and Gilmore Girls. Oh, my God. I love it already. Right? (laughs) It's like, oh, that's all all, you needed to say. Literally, that's all I needed to hear. You could (laughs) not even tell me what it's about, and I'll read it. Yep. (laughs) But it's a story about a young witch who finds herself at a crossroads between her inherited magic and her desire for true love. So you can obviously see the direct parallel with practical magic there. But the cover of it is really cute. And it just sounds like a really cozy book. Literally, this whole list, I was like, wow, this is like really fall and Halloween vibes. And I'm here for it. And I love it. Yeah, it's definitely like great timing because everybody's into fall right now. And like that. Oh my god, yes, wait, I've seen this cover. Mm -hmm. It has great reviews already. Oh, I'm adding this to my... Basically, all of these books on this list have over four-star reviews already. Yeah, I'm adding this to my thing already. This is a great week for new book releases. I love it. So, that's what you might have missed this week. You might have missed a lot this week, people, so you better have listened up to that. Yeah, I was literally adding stuff all the way up until the last minute because so much stuff came out today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, like, if we filmed this yesterday, we wouldn't have had all the Taylor Swift stuff. I know, that's why I had to keep adding to it this morning. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, so you are going to talk about Beanie Babies. What inspired that? We're talking about Beanie Babies today, baby. What inspired it? I don't know, to be honest. I just randomly (laughs) remembered Beanie Babies existed, and I was like, oh my god, that would be a fun topic, because you talking about American Girl Dolls was so fun. Like, we love a good throwback thing, Mm -hmm. so it's just a good throwback vibe. So- In 1993, at the World Toy Fair in New York, Ty Warner introduced, for the first time ever, Beanie Babies. And the toys were understuffed, filled with plastic little beads instead of cloth stuffing, and were small enough to fit anywhere. And Beanie Babies came in all different types of shapes of kinds of animals, and each of them came with a little poem on their tags. So that was what he introduced to the world of toys in 1993. And... Just a few years later, Beanie Babies were freaking everywhere. And mm-hmm. just a few examples of what, how crazy the world was about Beanie Babies. There were divorced couples fighting over their Beanie Baby assets. <laughs> there were children being trampled by stampeding collectors. Some families sunk their entire life savings into acquiring Beanie Babies, hoping That's to wild. get like hoping to fund retirements and college. And then even someone being killed over an argument about Beanie Babies. This sounds absolutely bonkers now. Yep. In hindsight, considering that Beanie Babies are worth nothing now. Absolutely Literally. nothing. Literally barely anything. And so <laughs> to my point, just a few years later in 2000, a Beanie Baby was worth virtually nothing. Insane. <laughs> Insane that it was literally within seven years. Because I also, when I was researching this... I was like, 1993? Why did I think Beanie Babies were around since, like, the 80s? Like, since 1980? (laughs) I don't know. So, okay. So now just going to go into the history of Beanie Babies. So 
Time Warner found it, founded the Thai Inc. in 1986 when he began making and selling life-sized understuffed plush cats in array of colors. Hmm. So he realized that the stuffed animals on the market then were too stiff and they wouldn't stand up on their own, which led him to this idea to deliberately understuff the toys. And instead of filling them with stuffing, he filled them with PVC pellets. So those little beads that we saw that we would see in Beanie Babies. So they were able to like sit up on their own, which Beanie Babies were able to do. And a lot of other stuffed animals weren't really able to do that. Interesting. So those cats that he had were an instant success. And at one Atlanta toy fair, he reportedly sold $30,000 worth of cats in one hour. Oh my gosh. Yeah, which is nuts. But that is like only a taste of what was about to happen with his next toy, Beanie Babies. So, like I said earlier, Beanie Babies were introduced in 1993, and they were first being sold for about $5 and only around Chicago, which was where the headquarters of Thai Inc. was, in small local toy stores. At first, buyers didn't really seem to understand the toys, and they didn't really seem to, like, want them, and they were just, like, so different than what the normal stuffed animals were at that time. So retailers didn't really think they would fit the aesthetic or vibe of their stores. Like they just didn't really see a place for them. So in a quote from one of the earliest Thai employees, Lena Trevetti, she said, at the beginning, nobody really even wanted Beanie Babies. So they just weren't really that popular at first. But due to some strategic marketing by the Beanie Baby company, They just took off in the suburbs of Chicago. It really started to fan out from there. But Lena Trevetti, the woman I just said who worked at Thai, like one of the earliest employees there, she said, when you're in the midst of it, you don't really see an intensity escalating or whatever, but you're in the vortex of it all, like talking about how big and how fast it's starting to expand. So in a couple of strategic moves, the company began to create a scarcity around the toys. Hmm. So the company would often change up product lines and they would put out only like 36 of a specific, I don't know why 36, but randomly 36 (laughs) of a specific Beanie Baby to each store. So there was only like 36 in a certain store ever at a time of a certain Beanie Baby. And then they would exchange out old designs with new ones and they would even retire certain Beanie Babies to really increase that rarity and the scarcity of the toy. And this made it boom in the secondary market, like on eBay with resellers. Mm -hmm. I remember very specifically hearing about, I can't remember which one, but there was like a Beanie Baby I really wanted. And then I heard that it was going to get retired. And I was like, mom, I have to go get it right now. No, 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 I need this Beanie Baby. Maybe the tie-dye one, because I remember I had the tie-dye one, and that was, like, my favorite one. Yeah, it could have been. So, like, for example, like, how this worked and why this marketing really, like, exploded it was in 1995, one of Ty's company's toys, Lovey the Lamb, had to be discontinued, but because of a problem with one of the suppliers. So that really caused an uproar amongst customers. And instead of announcing the truth of why it had to be discontinued, he claimed that he was just retiring the product, that it was just going to be gone instead of saying like, oh, it's being discontinued because they had a problem with the suppliers. So that really made people think that they were getting rare and they were just going to be taken Mm. off the shelves at any time just to retire them. So that was really how the start of the Beanie Baby craze happened. Interesting. So when this bubble started forming, this was when collectors really started coming onto the scene and making the demand and the value of the toys really skyrocket. Ugh, don't we hate resellers so much? We hate resellers. This is a reseller hater podcast. This is like the villain origin story of resellers. (laughs) Yeah. So this popularity caused like an entire ecosystem of Beanie Babies to form. So like from early stage blogs because this was also at the start of not like the start of the internet but in the 90s this was definitely like when the internet started getting bigger like google popped up and like yahoo Mm -hmm. and all of these different things that like really made way for a good market for beanie babies to explode on so 
There was also magazines dedicated to Beanie Babies, trade shows, pricing guides. Like people would literally make pricing guides that touted future values of Beanie Babies where like people would just like estimate how valuable a Beanie Baby would become. I remember those pricing guides. (laughs) Really? See, you definitely remember this more than I do because like I like I remember how big Beanie Babies were but you were like at the height of this you were like eight years old or something. Yeah I have like pretty good memories. I remember specific Beanie Babies I had. I remember like which ones because I think mom was like not obviously insane about it but she was like pretty into Beanie Baby collecting. Yeah I remember. I think mom had bought some like price guides and we had like gone through them Mm-hmm. and I remember us like you know yeah like paying attention to like which Beanie Babies were gonna get retired soon yeah. and yeah <laughs> and I like I remember we had um we had a box of Beanie Babies in the basement mm-hmm. and I remember like mom and dad would be like th- like those aren't toys like those are oh, like yeah. collectibles and we used to get the um the tag protectors yeah okay so I was they just were, gonna yeah <laughs> I was literally just gonna say that there were even plastic protectors designed to keep the tags attached to the stuffed animals and to keep it in mint condition like i remember the, the more little... intact the tag was yes. the like higher value, value they were yeah i remember yep. like they were just these little like clip things like you would literally just like clip it on them yeah it was a crazy time the tags were super cute and they're like so iconic that like yeah. i see on pinterest all the time like pet costume ideas of like creating the beanie baby tie tag yes oh my god yeah and and i remember like it was so cute to always read the little stories inside they always had like cute little stories or like poems and they always gave them really cute names and there were so Mm -hmm. many special edition ones that came out that were just like fun special editions yeah and i don't know if you're gonna talk about this but i feel like the modern equivalent is like uh squishmallows Oh, I could so see that. They also have names and they come with like a little story and Mm -hmm. like it's people collect them like crazy. So I feel like that's kind of the modern equivalent, but no one's like thinking that they're going to be worth millions of dollars. Yeah, like like they're, but I can definitely (laughs) see like the trend in that. It's so funny that you say that. I'm, I wasn't going to get into that at all, but it's just funny that you mentioned that because it's so true. Like on TikTok, it's, kind of the same parallel like I can see people on TikTok like Mm -hmm. hunting for them and people like go out of their way and they'd be like oh I'm going to my sixth Walmart to try to find this one and people will buy like 10 of them at a time trying to get like a surprise squishmallow mellow mallow I don't know which one I don't know we don't obviously collect them (laughs) I don't do you have a squishmallow no yeah I don't either I'm kind of surprised you don't because you like like the cute squishy things like that so I'm surprised you don't have like one of them yeah I just I don't know I don't but just with like the whole name and like little description thing that reminds me a lot of the squishmallows but yeah so the resale market for Beanie Babies really exploded too courtesy of the internet and primarily eBay so Mm -hmm. this is when eBay really took off too because eBay launched in 1995 And within two years, Beanie Babies accounted for 6% of all sales on eBay. And they had auctioned off $500 million worth of Beanie Babies alone in that year. Which also (laughs) made me think, that's insane for how much was auctioned off on eBay. Like how much money was being exchanged on eBay. If 6% of it was $500 million worth of Beanie Babies. Wait, yeah, that's insane. (laughs) I guess it doesn't equate because it's just 6% of sales. And since it's not like set money, like they could be selling things for like a dollar. Like 6% Mm. of it can be Beanie Babies, but that can take up a majority of the money or something. I don't, that's just me thinking about it. I don't know if that's accurate or not. But yeah, that's pretty crazy because I mean, people were selling expensive Beanie Babies then. Mm -hmm. And I mean, people were buying them for so much money too. So when the platform went public in 1998, Beanie Babies accounted for 10% of the total company sales. So they were huge on eBay and they were huge on the internet resellers. Only 10% of the whole business sales though. I'm like, what else do they make? (laughs) I guess like other stuffed animals, but- No, eBay. Oh. Yeah. It was for all like, yeah. 
it was 10% of eBay sales. Oh, I don't know why I was thinking Ty's company. No. That, like, what else were um, they making? I'm about to say their sales very shortly. But yeah, so just another example of like how crazy people were with this. Maureen Lawhead, who was a relatively early collector from Pennsylvania, recalled that in 1997, her daughters sold three politically themed beanies, which were called Righty, Lefty, and Liberty. So yeah. just funny names to a local ice cream shop in exchange for $1,000 and a princess bear, which was the Princess Diana bear. And I'm going to talk about that again in a second. But just crazy that even selling it to like an ice cream shop for a thousand, like three bears for $1,000. Yeah, that's nuts. And they were $5. Yeah. At least in the beginning, they were $5. Yes, they were $5. (laughs) I'm looking up what $1,000 in 1997 equals to today. That would be almost $2,000 today. That's almost double. Wow. So by 1998, a USA Weekly poll found that 64% of Americans claim to own at least one Beanie Baby. So most people had Beanie Babies at that point, and a lot of people had even more Beanie Babies. And in that same year, in 1998, Ty's, the company, Ty's sales surpassed $1 billion dollars. Wow. And they mainly sold Beanie Babies. Like, they're, the majority of their sales were Beanie Babies. That's nuts. <laughs> so for this craze, the height of it, like, were really two specific moments that I think, like, really encapsulated the Beanie Baby craze. So the first one was in 1997, McDonald's included teeny beanie babies which were mini versions of beanie babies in happy meals so this was like a new yes yeah, i remember I, those <laughs> i remember them too so they actually i don't know why i'm saying i remember them because this was in 1997 and i was a year old so <laughs> no i remember those so specifically because those were the only ones i was allowed to play with that and my tie-dye beanie baby <laughs> so, while we're really i had the lobster, the platypus, yes. the worm. I forgot about the lobster. Yes. I, I looked up literally a picture of this. I I can tell you which ones I had because I remember them. I also had, I remember a guinea pig, Beanie Baby. That was like my favorite one. And I remember I lost it at church one time. And I was like so sad. Yes. I lost <laughs> it for so long. Like I literally think it was months and months and months until somebody randomly found it and gave it back to us. And I was devastated because I, I freaking loved that guinea pig. Was it a guinea pig? Yeah, I think it was a guinea yeah, pig. Yeah, it was a guinea pig. Yeah. Or hamster or something like that. Yeah. But th- yeah, that was my favorite beanie baby. Yo, I think that we were actually insane because we had every single one of these McDonald's beanie babies. I specifically remember every single one. Especially oh, I remember the, s- the lobster. Yeah. And the seagull one. Or, uh, what is that called? Huh? Oh, a toucan? The No, it's not a toucan. It's the one that has the big thing for fish. Oh, a gull? What are, seagull? Is it a gull? Wait, did you just say seagull? Is it a seagull? <laughs> no, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> What's the thing with the giant? What is that? Pelican. Oh my the god, pelican! pelican. <laughs> I yes, I remember. I specifically remember having the pelican one. I thought he was so cool. Yeah, I remember having every single one of these McDonald's uh, little beanie babies. Oh my god, we were crazy. I can't even imagine how many times we had to go to McDonald's and get kids meal. I think, I okay, wait, mom and dad might have to correct me on this, but I swear to god, I remember there was one time where we went to McDonald's and specifically ordered like 10 Happy Meals just to get all the different beanie babies. Yeah, people would do that. Literally, people would order them and like pay for the happy meal and tell them they didn't even want the food like they were like just i'll pay for the happy meal but just give me the toy like i'm not even gonna get my gosh that's so and like the whole point of mcdonald's doing this was to reconnect like to have like a connection for like little kids and like kids being like oh like take me to mcdonald's like i so that they could have like a toy and stuff Mm -hmm. and adults were just going and getting happy meals and oh my like, gosh. People were going nuts about these things. So Ty made specifically 100 million teeny beanies to be distributed at McDonald's. 
And they thought those were going to last them months. Like they were like, this is going to last a while. It sold out within two weeks. A hundred million teeny beanies. Oh my gosh. Like people are insane. So like people, even at one McDonald's, a delivery man with a case delivering the teeny beanies were tackled by customers to try to get the toys from him. Yeah. People are crazy. Yeah. And like even I didn't fully read the story because of course there was a paywall behind it. So I couldn't read it. But like somebody was trampled trying to get into a McDonald's for this teeny beanies. Wow. And I also just (laughs) love saying teeny beanies. So I'm saying it constantly. Teeny beanies is really cute. Teeny beanies is fun. But yeah, so that was insane. And also like great marketing for McDonald's. They got a bajillion people coming. I mean, they got at least 100 million sales of Happy Meals. (laughs) Insane. (laughs) Yeah. So then another huge marker of the Beanie Baby craze was in October 1997, two months after Princess Diana's death, Ty announced that they were commemorating her with a special edition toy with some of the proceeds benefiting diana princess of wales memorial fund so that also because i mean people loved princess diana yeah so that people's princess exactly so this just made it crazy and i mean the toy was really pretty too it was like this deep violet purple with a like white rose on it and stuff Mm -hmm. like it was a really pretty toy i remember those ones were like a hot commodity oh yeah so there so they began that release in december of 1997 but ty needed permission from the diana princess of wales memorial fund to create this toy so permission was granted like really close to christmas since they announced it in october and it was supposed to start being sold like for the christmas season so it was like really close to when Christmas was to keep up the demand for the holiday rush. So Ty told retailers that they were limited to ordering only 12 of the Princess Diana toys. Yeah, like of the Princess Diana um, Beanie Babies at a time. So this, like, even though there was going to be more produced, but at that time, just to get in the holiday rush, they only could do a certain amount. Mm-hmm. So that led retailers and the media to believe that the toy was only a limited edition and that it was only like that amount of toys that they could get. <laughs> You're going to hear Finn's food bowl in the background. So that really led it being this insane frenzy with prices rising on the secondary market and auctions. So even in an article from Washington Post at that time in 1997 said competing prices at one mall had princess dolls listed at $350 and $400 rather than what it actually was worth, which was five to $7. Like that is like, how much how many how much percentage over is that? Like that's insane over a toy. And I mean, I which also I don't even how is that legal to have it at like a store? I guess I guess at the mall they maybe bought them and were reselling them. I don't know. Also, this was definitely the hamster beanie baby you had. Oh, <gasps> that was the hamster beanie baby I had. I wish I could remember his name. Hey, well, I don't know what you called him, but his name was Pellet. I definitely did not call him Pellet. No. Um, I feel like it was like I like instantly recognized him when I saw him. Oh yeah, I remember I bet you actually wait a second, can we pause? Because I think I still have it. Oh my I gosh. I literally no think way. I still have it. Yeah, pause it. Boom. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I still have him. I cannot believe that. <laughs> I literally can't believe I forgot I still had him until right now and he was because I have like two boxes from like when mom Mm -hmm. and dad moved out he was at the top of my box I I (laughs) can't that's the hamster that got lost 2000 this was literally from (laughs) the year 2000 oh my gosh and it says pellet I cannot believe this that oh was God. the Beanie Baby you lost at church, and it took months for you to get it back, and then you got it yep. back. <laughs> yep, and here he is 23 years later. That's nuts. I'm, like, in shock right now. <laughs> that is That's so funny. That's so funny. You definitely need to post on Instagram about that. 
yeah, I will post a picture of my um, hamster, no, gerbil, whatever this guy is, Beanie Baby. They really do sit up all on their own. <laughs> Should we start up Beanie Babies again? Should we make Beanie Baby collecting a thing again? Yeah. But Beanie Babies are, they look different now. Like, have you seen what they look like now? They have like They have giant... the big uh, yeah. eyes. I don't like it. It's kind of weird. Gotta bring back okay. the originals. Yeah. So another incident that I mentioned earlier when I was listing off like all the things that were happening was a murder over Beanie Babies. So <laughs> in October 1999, Jeffrey White, who at that time was 29 years old, shot security guard Harry Simmons, who was 63, at a lumberyard in Elkins, West Virginia, where people like in a small town where people used to line up at 4 a.m. outside of a Hallmark store when Beanie Babies shipments were due. Oh my so gosh. Police said, or yeah, police said that White, who later confessed to this crime, blamed Simmons for getting him fired from his job at the lumber yard. But the two had also had a dispute over $150 and several hundred dollars worth of Beanie Babies that Simmons lent to White to start a trading business of Beanie Babies. Oh my God, this is like the Beanie Baby black market. Literally, there was a Beanie Baby black market. Like, it was freaking crazy. So that that just gave you a good a good view of how insane people were about Beanie Babies. But all good things must come to an end. And at the turn of the century, the Beanie Baby bubble finally burst. The Beanie Baby bubble. <laughs> so this can be attributed to like a lot of things, but one key event that happened was in September 1999, Ty Inc., the company that invented Beanie Babies blindsided customers and collectors with an announcement on a press release for new toys stating very important notice in all caps on December 31st 1999 at 11 59 p.m central time all beanie babies will be retired including the above so they just like randomly dropped this announcement that every single beanie baby on the market even the ones in the press release that they just said that were going to be produced are being retired so, like, every single one was going to be gone. So, they were shocked and they were worried about the impact that it would have on the value of their collections. Because they were like, what the fuck is going to happen to all these Beanie Babies? So, it got a lot of backlash because they just, like, dropped this bomb with, and people had no idea what to do. So, a few months later, allegedly, as a response to fans, the company claimed to have changed their mind. So instead of getting rid of, like, retiring the Beanie Babies altogether, they would release an entirely new line in the new millennium, starting with a shimmery star-spangled bannered bear called The Beginning. So a lot of people were like, what the fuck was that? And they were really, like, disillusioned by this publicity stunt designed to boast enthusiasm for the new Beanie Babies. And so they were all like pissed at that basically because they were like you like they just did not like that so sales actually slumped at that point yikes and in addition to that announcement I mean that was a huge part of it but in addition just the point like at that point toy the toys were just really mass produced and Mm. like even beyond like beyond the earliest generations that were released there were very few Beanie Babies at that point that were actually rare just because of how popular they got and how mass produced they were. Mm. So by the year 2000, the newly retired Beanie lines were only like selling for about three to $10. Oh my gosh, that like plummeted. Yeah, like they literally, the sales had declined by more than 90%. Wow. Like it plummeted so fast and- It just, I mean, there's an aspect of this. Everything that I was reading was saying, like, there's an aspect of this that is, like, unpredictable why things get crazy and then why they just suddenly slow down. Mm -hmm. Like, all of these things were probably contributing to it, and it got just, like, so huge that it finally had to, like, end. But it still, like, is just a, a little bit of, like, things happen, you know? Wow. So, at that point, millions of Americans were left with millions of Beanie Babies, and I can only assume they're all in their basements now or at Goodwill. Yeah, or at Goodwill. Landfills. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Which actually kind of makes me want to cry because they're really cute. And I think about all those little Beanie Babies who are so loved and we're told that they're worth so much. And now they're in landfills. Right? And now they're not. But you know what? 
my guy, Pellet, he's still being loved. Just he's under my bed all the time. <laughs> but I But he's at least not in a landfill. <laughs> exactly. He's still he's in a home. So just to end it out, I wanted to see like what the market for beanie babies looked like now or what it looks like. So it's much different, but it's still around. Like people are still buying beanie babies. So they the toys sell for much under their original price, but there's still valuable versions of them out there mm. that people are buying. So the stuffed one, the stuffed animals that sell for higher prices are typically rarer ones. So it could be like a really early edition or a misprint or a name change or something that ran in like a limited size or something like that. So those ones make them harder to find. So that's just like with any collectible, it's just more rare. So anybody who collects them will want a more rare one. I love the market for misprints. Mm -hmm. I think that is like such a fun thing to collect. I have a couple books that are like misprint books. Yeah. Wait, I forgot you have the upside down one. Yeah, I have my upside down book. I just think it's like so fun that that becomes a collector's item when there's like a mistake. Yeah. Because you usually think of a collector's item as something that's like pristine, pristine, perfect position. Yeah. But it's just like a funny little mistake. Mm -hmm. So those rare Beanie Babies like Peanut the Elephant, which comes in royal blue. I don't know why he's rare, but apparently Mm. he is. Those ones um, sell for a couple hundred and sometimes even a few thousand dollars. But um, for the most part, they're not really acquired and sought after anymore hmm wow i definitely used to have a peanut the elephant no way uh the light blue one not the royal blue one okay yeah why is it rare then i don't think the light blue one is i think the royal blue one is rare i used to have a lot of beanie babies i think because mom collected them and i think just any of the ones that weren't that collectible Mm. she would just give to me yeah so it says here the royal blue version was retired very quickly after its release in 1995 due to a color, due to the color being a supposed production error. Huh. So it's kind of an error. Yeah. So I guess it was supposed to be that light blue. And huh. for some reason, it was a royal blue. That's cool. But yeah. So that was the Beanie Baby bubble. The BBB. <laughs> BBLs. The BBLs. The Beanie Baby lovers. Baby lovers. We're BBLs. We're Beanie Baby lovers. That's the this this episode. This is the BBL episode. The BBL episode. <laughs> Beanie baby lovers. <laughs> oh man. Shall we get into our top three? Let's do it. Okay. Tell me about what you've been liking this week. Okay, so my first top three of this week is that Walmart has a 60-inch tall bluey halloween air blown like lawn decoration (laughs) and i need it (laughs) you literally need to get it because you have a yard now so you're able to use one of those and i want it so bad it's like i think it's 90 dollars, but i'm like oh my god a six foot or five foot tall is it blow up bluey it's um bluey dressed up like a vampire oh my god you have to get that i know i'm like can i justify spending like 80 90 dollars on this i don't know but yeah who cares money's not real (sighs) money is very real unfortunately but that's my number one do not sell it out listeners do not not before (laughs) i can get to it first (laughs) (laughs) don't sell this out i need it first you should have gate kept that i should have but then i wouldn't have had i would have only had a top two this week (laughs) that's true all right what's yours so I always start off with what I'm reading right now. So <laughs> I'm, I mean, that's just always my number one. So right now I'm reading Dreams Lie Beneath by Rebecca Ross. And she's like my new favorite author. So I'm just making my way through her catalog. I read, <laughs> literally, I've kept you guys updated on all the ones I've read. I read Divine Rivals, A River Enchanted. I'm reading this one. I'm about to get the second in the duology of River Enchanted, which is A Fire Endless. So I'm just making my way through it. Nice. I was going to say, that name sounds very familiar. It's because you probably mentioned her a few times. I've mentioned her many times. I just really love the way she writes. So if you want, like, I think her fan is, like, her books are just, like, very, like, 
cozy I don't know if cozy is the right word but like atmospheric fantasy like Mm -hmm. she just really has a good way of world building and her writing is very lyrical really good world building is I don't know if it's underrated but like it can really make or break a fantasy book Mm -hmm. I agree because she I think we talked about this another time too but like she very much does like she shows you doesn't tell you the world building you know yep all right So my number two is that Hallmark. Okay, well, (laughs) let me back it up. So every single year, I create a list of all of the brand new Christmas movies that come out. I know we're in Mm -hmm. fall and Halloween mode right now, and it's not even October. Yeah, I don't even want to hear about Christmas yet. (laughs) But every year, I create a big list of every single Lifetime, Hallmark, and just new release Christmas movies. And I try my best to watch all of them. But when I tell you, it's literally hundreds of movies. Yeah. And I usually can stay pretty on track for October, November. And then once December hits, that's where I fall super behind. Mm -hmm. So Hallmark just announced yesterday their Christmas movie lineup for October and November. And so Hallmark Christmas movies, the new Christmas movies for this year, start coming out Friday, October 20th. And there's a new movie every single Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at 8 p.m. Oh, my God. On Hallmark. And that's all the way through. They also released their schedule for November. And they haven't released their December schedule yet, as far as I know. But then starting in November, they have a couple of days where there's double feature new release movies. That's when I start falling behind. I literally don't know how you do that. And I also am just... I'm just not a fan of Hallmark movies. You and mom love Hallmark movies and I just, I can't, I can't get on the train. I just don't like them. Usually like there's maybe like three or four per year that I think are pretty solid. And I mean, we're talking every single one of these movies that I watch every year are shitty movies. None of them are good, but (laughs) there's a good solid like three or four that I think are worth watching for people who don't like, like, I don't know who aren't into the Hallmark movies. Yeah. There's always a couple that are actually good movies. But besides that, I I kind of love to be a hater, but also I, I just love them because it like it's the same way that I love watching commercials where it's like in the commercials world, you know, the only problem these people have is that their paper towels fall apart when they try to wipe up a wet spot. But then they find a new product and all of a sudden all their problems are gone and now their life is back to being amazing. <laughs> And it's like, that's how Hallmark movies make me feel, where it's like, oh, all she needed to do was run into the cute lumberjack in the town square, and now all of her problems are gone. It's true. It's a good way. It's a good distressor. Just it is. escape. I mean, that's literally why people watch movies and read and everything, just to escape reality. Mm-hmm. That's literally why I read fantasy books, because I'm like, that is just so different from real life, and I love it. That's what I want. Yeah, and these ones are just, they're the best escapes for me, especially during Christmas time. It just like sets me in the holiday mood and I love it. All right, what's your number two? Well, instead of holiday, well, I guess it is a holiday, but not Christmas (laughs) mood. I am in fall mode. And so I made an apple crisp last night and that shit was delicious. It was so good. And also like everybody I've told that it's like I made an apple crisp, they seem to just like not know what an apple crisp is. So, do you know what an apple crisp is? Is it kind of almost like a pie, but without the crust and instead has like a crumble on top? Yeah. But like, it's, yeah, it's just like a crumble on top. And like, literally I sent it to Laura. So if she listens to this, I'm roasting her. But she was like, oh, so it's like oatmeal. I was like, no, it's not oatmeal. It's an apple crisp, you dummy. (laughs) get educated (laughs) it's it's a fucking crisp okay (laughs) but so I made that last night and it was really good and I'm gonna be posting that on my personal tiktok if anybody wants to see a recipe for it oh my god (laughs) (laughs) self-promotion but yeah nice all right so my last top three of the week is that I'm just like really itching to do sewing projects but Mm -hmm. My craft room is not set up yet, so I don't have my sewing machine all set up and everything. But I'm just like, I've been loving saving sewing patterns on Pinterest lately. And the patterns that I've been like really wanting, like really itching to make are oversized detachable collars, like Mm -hmm. the big 
Peter Pan style collars that you tie in the front. I keep seeing such cute patterns for those and like such cute outfits with those. So I've been really wanting to make those and I've been really wanting to do upcycled t-shirt dresses mm-hmm. where you like take the t-shirt and then you just build like a skirt around it and it makes a little dress. I think those are so cute and I've been like really wanting to like thrift some graphic t-shirts that I could turn into t-shirt dresses. I like that. Yeah. You should start doing it. Find like a like flea market or something near you. Yeah. But I just need to like get my craft room set up, but I'm yeah. like I'm dying to make yeah I'm like dying to make sewing projects right now yeah okay and so my last one is I got a reading chair because I'm like such a reading girly now so if you thought reading was my entire personality prior to this just wait until I get my reading chair fully set up because then it's gonna be fully my entire personality. <laughs> yep. It's really cute. Like I really like the chair that you got and it's gonna yeah, be I a do. really cute little area. Yeah, I already love it. Like I love sitting in it. It's so fun and um it's just cozy. I love being cozy. It is cozy. All right. Well, I think that's enough distractions for this week. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the easily distracted pod for more content picks and updates. You can also follow us on TikTok with the same name. If you've been distracted by anything lately and you want us to do a deep dive on that topic, just reach out to us on Instagram or TikTok to let us know. New episodes are posted every Thursday. And until then, stay distracted.